Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but did they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, we return to the listener library for a suggestion from our mysterious listener, Chris. Chris writes, Just started listening with the episode The Three Ghosts, one of my favorite from Orson Welles' years as The Shadow. I would love to hear you three discuss the episode Circle of Death. It was the first episode I heard of The Shadow, and I consider it one of the best from the Orson Welles era. The Shadow premiered on the Mutual Broadcasting Network September 26, 1937. Orson Welles starred as Lamont Cranston alongside his fellow Mercury Theater player Agnes Moorhead as the lovely Margot Lane. During the early days of the series, the Shadow was a much more mysterious figure. The police were suspicious of his motives, sometimes with good reason. The Shadow would often taunt the police or, in the case of the story you're about to hear, blatantly manipulate them in order to catch the killer. The antagonist in The Circle of Death is played by Alan DeWitt, a frequent guest performer during Orson Welles' tenure on the show. DeWitt's distinctive voice made him the perfect choice to portray pitiable everyman, bitter psychopaths, or a combination of the two. You can hear DeWitt play similar roles in other stories of the era, including two of my favorites, The Poison Death and The Creeper. And now let's listen to The Circle of Death from The Shadow, originally broadcast November 28, 1937. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. (laughs) Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The Shadow Knows. Blue Cold presents The Shadow, the mystery man who strikes terror in the very hearts of sharpsters, lawbreakers, and criminals. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear The Shadow's blood-curdling laugh, you can be sure that exciting entertainment will follow. And here's something else that you can be sure of. When you buy blue coal, you're getting the finest of Pennsylvania hard coal. The harmless blue coloring that identifies blue coal is your guarantee of clean, even, safe, dependable heat all winter long. So don't take chances. Insist on blue coal. Ask for it by name. Phone your order to your nearest blue coal dealer tomorrow. And be sure to hold on for John Barclay's important message at the end of this program. The plot murder announced for today has been postponed. Today, the circle of death. Jack, what a delightful show. What a wonderful way to start our honeymoon. Darling, when it comes to shows and girls, I'm a swell picker. Now watch me pick a nightclub. Oh, taxi. Hey, taxi. Darling, I think you're wonderful. I've never had such a marvelous time in my life. Hop in, honey. Hey, 
Things are pretty quiet around the theater district tonight, Bill. Yeah, pretty thin crowd. I don't blame folks for staying away. After those three bombings and 15 people being blown to pieces, I wouldn't be here myself if it wasn't the commissioner's orders. Same here. Boy, has this town got the jitters. Commissioner Weston's hopping around like a cat on a hot stove. I hear the Midtown Association is going to ask for his resignation if he don't catch the nut that's scattering bombs around here like confetti on New Year's Eve. A guy that's pulling these jobs sure must have it in for a lot of people. Eh, he's a real screwball, if you ask me. Look at the way he's always sending warnings to the newspapers before he blows another batch of pedestrians to Hades. Yeah, and have you noticed? He always ends his notes by saying, I hate crowds. Yeah. Now, this is the time that crazy group warned he'd set off another blast. Maybe his, his watch is slow. Things are going to pop if he pulls another job and kills any more people. Well, maybe... Maybe all the cops have him scared off. Maybe. Maybe not. Bill, look at that car. Blown to smithereens. Horrible. It's senseless and insane, Marco. Crimes like this always are. Turn on the radio. It's time for a news bulletin. There's a switch on the dashboard. All right, Lamont. ...on the inefficiency of the police department. Tonight at Midtown Hall, a meeting of businessmen of the entertainment world and property owners is in progress. Police Commissioner Weston has been asked to defend his department and produce results or resign. Oh, that's enough, Marco. Washington, D.C. Now, listen carefully. Yes, Lamont. I want you to go to that protest meeting right over there at Midtown Hall. Commissioner Weston is speaking, and the crowd is pretty certain to heckle his explanation of the failure of his department to catch this fiend. I'm sure of it. Now, here's what I want you to do. Keep quiet and watch your chance. Then I want you to cry out that Shadow could solve this crime without half trying. Aren't you flattering yourself? Never mind that, Margot. I have a very definite reason for doing this. A lot depends on your getting the crowd to take up your suggestion. I'll do my best, Lamont. But where are you going? I won't be far away. Hand me that leather case on the floor. Here you are. Am I permitted enough womanly curiosity to ask what's in it? <laughs> Just a little wire-tapping device. Telephone? No. No, Commissioner Weston will be talking over the loudspeaker system in Midtown Hall. Don't be surprised if the shadow interrupts his speech. Now, remember, Margot, cry out at the psychological moment. Hundreds of lives depend on it. has been rounded up and questioned. Not one fragment of a bomb has been found. No buildings have been damaged. No one person has been singled out for death. This is not an ordinary crime. We are not dealing with an ordinary criminal. Alibis! Alibis! We've had enough. Fifteen people dead. Fifty injured and you talk! Talk! Business is at a standstill. We're being ruined. The whole city's in a panic. Get this killer or resign. My son, get out. Let the mayor appoint some of the friends and let the catch maniac. Before he strikes again. The shadow could solve this crime without half try. There's an idea. The shadow. Yes, the shadow again. He's cracked cases for you before, Weston. Why don't you call him in? He wouldn't have to do much to do a better job of it than the police have. Get the shadow, Weston. What about a shadow? Commissioner, you've done nothing in two weeks. 
Two cents, mister. Uh, here's your two cents. Oh, thanks. Here's the paper. No, no, no. Not that one on top. People, crowds have seen it. Oh, so what? They're all the same. No, no, no. Give me that one underneath. Okay. The customer's always right. Hey, a nice murder coming by the shadow. That's your extra paper. <laughs> the Central Arcade tomorrow. Mm, so he's daring me, the shadow fellow. He knows I hate crowds. Crowds and people pushing and getting in my way. Voices talking and shouting. I hate them. I hate them. And I'll show them. I'll show the shadow fella, too. I'll fool all of them. I'll accept his challenge. I'll be there at the Central Arcade. And the shadow fella will know I was there. <laughs> the whole world will know. <laughs> After I've gone... orders have been carried out, Commissioner Weston. Good. There'd better not be any slip-ups. 200 patrolmen are stationed in the neighborhood of the Central Arcade. 50 picked men of the plainclothes and bomb squad will be in the crowd. If there is a crowd... There'll be a mob after all the publicity. If I could get my hands on the shadow, I'd wring his neck for this. Uh, what time is it? A little after four, sir. We'd better get down there pretty soon. Yes, sir. Shall I take that call, sir? No. I've been waiting for this. And if it's who I think it is... Hello. Hello. <laughs> listen to me, Shadow. No, Commissioner Weston. You listen to me. I'm listening. Quick, Connors, trace this call. Yes, sir. Don't bother, Commissioner. You can't trace this call. 
I tapped the line. Just as I tapped the Midtown loudspeaker system last night. So that's how you pulled that crazy stunt. You're a fool, Shadow. Don't you realize you've endangered the lives of thousands of people? Nothing will happen if you do not interfere. I don't take my orders from you, Shadow. You're not running the police department. I'm not giving orders. But I need your help. Just do one thing for me, and you and not the Shadow will get the credit for the capture of the mass killer. Oh, yes? Well, what do you want? Just keep the crowd moving through the narrow arcade. Just keep them moving. Keep them moving. Everything depends on that. What are you trying to do, Shadow? To find a needle in a haystack. A man in a million. You haven't a chance. The maniac won't come. You overlook the fact that a dare is a powerful psychological magnet that no egotistical crazed mind can resist. Just keep that crowd moving, Commissioner. Keep them moving. <laughs> when you start figuring ways and means to save money for Christmas gifts, fuel is probably the last thing that comes to mind. Naturally, you don't want to jeopardize the health and comfort of your family. But did you know that you can actually have better heat for less money simply by burning blue coal? Here's why. Blue coal is a rich Pennsylvania anthracite. The fuel that furnaces, space heaters, and cooking ranges in this part of the country were especially designed to burn. And while other fuel prices are advancing, the cost of anthracite is not. No wonder thousands of homeowners are switching back to anthracite. No wonder anthracite is the fuel that is used for cooking purposes on the nation's cracked passenger trains. They've tested all kinds of fuel and found that anthracite is far more economical because it burns long, steadily, evenly, with minimum drafts and less attention. Now, the cream of all Pennsylvania anthracite is blue coal. It comes from the mines of the famous Glen Alden Coal Company. It's tested and retested for purity and uniform sizing. Blue coal is prepared especially for home use, and it comes in all domestic sizes, egg, stove, chestnut, and pea. So if you want clean, even, dependable heat at lowest cost, always order blue coal. Phone your nearest blue coal dealer tomorrow. You'll find his name listed in the where to buy it section of your classified telephone directory under the name Blue Coal. Yes. Two minutes to six. Oh, this is the longest hour I've ever spent in my life. Can you beat it the way people have flocked here on the chance of seeing somebody else blown to bits by this maniac? Looks like the shadow was right. The way they've been swarming through this arcade. Yeah, and watching each other like a bunch of wild animals. You see what happened to that poor guy with the Christmas box? I nearly killed him before we got him out. All he had was a doll for his kid. I saw it. Well, the time's up, Commissioner. Yes. Thank heavens. Any orders, sir? Just keep the men on duty till this crowd thins out. They'll be going home now. Commissioner! Commissioner Weston, look. What is it? The maniac. He's been here. Look at this piece of paper. Where'd you get it? In the arcade. He must have dropped it. Oh, what's it say, Commissioner? Tell that shadow fellow 
I'll kill me a lot more people at 11 o'clock tonight. Oh, I was afraid something had happened Something to has. I found the maniac. Thank heavens. Have you notified the police? Margot, this man is a fiend. If I notified the police and they bungle things, he might kill hundreds of people. This is a job that the shadow must handle alone. But Lamont, he's dangerous. You might fail. He might kill you. The shadow won't fail, Margot. But if he should, it's far better that one die than hundreds. Oh, Lamont, please. There must be a safer way. Perhaps, there. Margot, but this is the only sure way to end the career of this mass killer. <laughs> Goodbye, my dear. Lamont. Oh, Lamont. Connors. Here comes a headquarters car. Yeah, it's Commissioner Weston's car. He's plenty worried about this maniac threatening to kill another batch of people at 11 tonight. Well, we'll sure have to go out of the theater area to kill him. They won't let anybody in the district here without a police permit. Wait a minute. Here comes a guy. Hey, you. You. Who, who me? Yeah, you. Where do you think you're going? Me? I, I'm going to work. That's where I'm going. Got a permit? Got a badge. See? <laughs> Says I'm a night watchman. I gotta go to work. What do you watch? Where do you work? <laughs> I watch things in the ground. Da- down there. Down where? Da- down under the street. Da- down under the planks. Oh, I get it, Bill. He's a night watchman down on the new subway they're building. Oh. Yes, yes, that's it. <laughs> I go down them steps. Every night I go down them steps and watch. Well, why did you say so? Get on with you. Get to your watching. Thank you. <laughs> Joe Tonetti is waiting for me so he can go home. Every night at 10.30, I take from him the job of watching. <laughs> now, that's a job I wouldn't want any part of. Me either. I'll find my beyond the street now. Oh, uh, Joey. Joey Tonetti. Joey, you can go home now. I'm here to watch. Hey, what's the matter? You're half a big speakerback fella. You're five minutes late. I want to go home. Here's the keys to everything now. You watch out. But don't you go to sleep. <laughs> the police don't want to let me come to work. But I show them the badge. <laughs> you can go home now, Joey. I'll, I'll watch everything. Okay. See you in the morning. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> People, so many people always pushing, pushing me. But I'll show him. I'll fix him good. I'll kill him. That shadow fellow. I'll show him too. <laughs> now, now, now I, I'm alone. <laughs> All alone. Not quite, Anton Spivak. You are not quite alone. I am with you. Huh? you hear my voice, Anton? Sure, sure. I, I always hear voices in the dark, on the street, and here under the street where I watch every night. Yes, Anton. But you've never heard my voice before, have you? Well, maybe. I, I, I don't think so. What's different about your voice? It's the voice of the shadow. Oh, <laughs> You're a pretty smart voice. <laughs> How'd you find me? Hey, where's that shadow fellow the newspapers talk about? I am more than just a voice, Anton Spivak. I am 
the shadow. You, you're the shadow? Yes. Where are you hiding? I am hiding under the cloak of invisibility. You cannot see me because I have clouded your mind. So you cannot see that which is here. How did you get down here in this subway excavation? I followed you down the steps. Hmm. How'd you know where to find me? I picked you out of the crowd in the central arcade. <laughs> how did you know I was the one? Your eyes showed me. I knew then how much you hate crowds. My, my eyes show you? Yes. You passed close to me as I stood in the shadows. Hmm? The arcade is narrow. You didn't see me. Hmm. No one saw me. But I saw you. How'd you find out my name? I followed you to the place where you live. I found out you work here. In the tunnels. Oh, then then, then, then you, you followed me here from my home tonight? Yes, Anton Spivak. All the way. Hmm, good, good. <laughs> You're a very clever shadow. But, but, but you must go now and let me do my work. My work. I, I, I ain't got much time. Now, now go quick before I get mad. No, you're plenty smart. <laughs> I'm glad to know you, Mr. Shadow, but, but no, 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 you have to go. Yes, I'm smart. But you're smarter. <laughs> you bet. Let me stay. I want to learn. You can teach me things. Then maybe we can work together. You hate people, too? Yes. I hate crowds. Let me watch you and learn. All right. I'll let you watch. What are you going to do? You just watch. What's in this shed? You see? Dynamite. Sticks and sticks of dynamite. Is this what you use to kill people with? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) My precious dynamite. They kill the crowds I hate, see? <laughs> now, look here. Here's a stick of dynamite already fused. There's one, two, three, four, five, and six, six sticks of dynamite to go with it. <laughs> now, you watch. See, Shadow, I, I tie them in a bundle. But how do you take that dynamite to the place where you killed all those people? It's a block away. <laughs> How do you carry it? <laughs> that, that's where I'm smarter than you, Mr. Shadow. Show me. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> now, look, look, see, it, it's almost 11 o'clock. Now, here, here. You, you see this little hook? I, I hook the dynamite to it. Then what, Anton? Wait, wait. You, you, you hear that car overhead on the boards? Yes. Well, if, if the light is red, it will stop right over our heads. Now, now listen. There, there, you see? The light is red. Now, now, now I take this crowbar. I go up this ladder. Come on, come on, you come with me. Yes, I am still here. Although you cannot see me. Now, now you watch. I, I pry the end of this plank back, see? And I, I hook the dynamite on the brake rods. I strike a match. And, and I light the fuse. And, and, when, and when, when, when the light changes, the car takes the dynamite with it. And when the dynamite explodes a block away, I'm still here. While the... Oh, no, 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 no. You, you put out the fuse. You've tricked me. And here is the dynamite. Oh, he took it off the car. It, it's gone without the dynamite. 
And I promised I'd kill a lot of people tonight. Now I have to wait. Tomorrow the crowds will be still pushing me. Scaring me. You tricked me. That's what you did. You you tricked me. Where are you, Shadow? Shadow. Come here, Shadow. Nice, Shadow. Nice, Shadow. I'm here, Anton Spivak. Yes, yes, I I hear you. <laughs> nice, Shadow. Come, come close to me. Put down that dynamite, Anton. No, no, Shadow. I light another match. If you touch that match to the fuse, you'll die too. But I'll kill you. And I don't care. You wouldn't let me kill people. And I don't want to live. I want to die. I want you to die too, Shadow. Wait, Anton. No, 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 no. You blow out my match. Yes, I have a plan. Those thousands of people waiting up the street. Yes? You can kill all those people. Wouldn't that be better than just killing the two of us? <laughs> how, how, how? Tell me how. Take your dynamite and come with me. Up the steps. Up to the street. Oh, no, 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 no. no, no there, there, there's policemen out there. I saw them. But they won't see you. Any more than you can see me. No, 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 they will see me. Hypnotize them. Huh? Hypnotize them. Look straight at them. Stare at them. And then they won't be able to see you. No, 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 I'm afraid. Think of all those people waiting to be killed. Come. Just a few more steps. I am with you. You'll be safe. I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> All those people waiting to be killed. <laughs> I'll try. But, but don't you leave me, Shadow, or I'll light the fuse. I'm here, Anton Spivak. Look. There are the two policemen. Uh-huh. Just stare at them hard as you pass, and they won't see you. All right, I'll, I'll try, I'll try. Well, it's past seven, Connors. Looks like a false alarm this time. Hey, wait a minute. Here's that night watchman. Hey, what's the matter with him? What's he staring at? Look. Look what he's carrying. You can't see me. You can't see me. Dynamite. Grab him. No, no. no. Take it away from him. Let me go. Hold it. No, I said no. I no. got him. It's a mask. Kill him. No, no. Oh, he, he lied. He fooled me. He said you couldn't see me. Oh, no, no. Give me my dynamite. I want to kill all those people. Hold him. No. Here's Commissioner Westall. I got him. We got him. We got the maniac, Chief. Good work, Here, Let me look at him. No, no, no. He, he, he tricked me. He, he said you couldn't see me. Where'd he come from? I follow a subway excavation, Commissioner. He's a night no, watchman. No, no. He, he tricked me. The, the shadow tricked me. Oh. It was the shadow. Yes, Commissioner Weston. The shadow. I found the killer. But the glory is all yours. Before we tell you of the shadow's next exciting adventure, here's John Barclay, Blue Coal's famous heating expert, with an important message I promised you. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Barclay. Friends, there are just two more days left in November. That means that homeowners have only two more days in which to phone their blue coal dealers and get the full details on how they may have a blue coal heat regulator installed in their homes for a free trial period of two weeks. To me, this is the most unusual offer ever made. The free use of a blue coal heat regulator for two whole weeks without any obligation on your part to buy. Believe me, friends, until you've used one of these marvelous thermostats, you don't know what real comfort is. Imagine having your home warm and cozy from morning till night without once having to make a trip down to the furnace. And that's not all. You'll find you burn far less coal with this regulator, too. But don't take my word for it. See for yourself. Phone your blue coal dealer tomorrow. I thank you. Friends, for your own sake, do as Mr. Barclay suggests. Phone your blue coal dealer tomorrow and get full details of this amazing free trial offer. Prove to yourself what thousands of satisfied owners already know, that with a blue coal heat regulator, you get more uniform heat, more economical heat than the most expensive oil burner can give you. But don't wait. Phone your blue coal dealer tomorrow. The story you have just heard is copyrighted by the Shadow Magazine. The characters in this story are entirely fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. <laughs> the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> was The Circle of Death from The Shadow here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was a listener request as we headed into our listener library, and that came to us from our mysterious listener, Chris, who wanted to hear us do The Shadow, that specific shadow, uh, Circle of Death. When it comes to The Shadow, Tim and I have to uh, yield to Shadow McShadowy, Mayor of Shadowville, uh, Joshua, who knows everything about the shadow. I think no. you are closer to his side of the equation than I am. Yes, but I am not over there. I take orders from... I don't know, this is getting, this is getting weirder. Uh, point being is, you, had you heard Circle of Death before? Yes, of course you have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's Circle of Death. <laughs> Come on. Um, I think I had. I just had been so long that I was like, ah, sounds a little familiar, but it's been a long time. But again, proving nothing is better than Orson Welles' shadow. The other shadows are fine. They're great escapism and sometimes a little goofy, but it's great and I love them. But this stuff is psychological and intense and <laughs> I love the Orson Welles era. Yeah. I've gone through phases, but definitely on this podcast it has brought me back around to Orson Welles being my favorite. I don't want to say the greatest because then we get emails. <laughs> Do no, we? we don't? <laughs> Well, guys... I think it's a testament to both Orson Welles is a really strong performer and the stories at this time were a little different than the stories that came mm -hmm. later. Absolutely. I think 
that might have something to do with Orson Welles' influence, uh, being not only in them, but more than likely having a say, <laughs> knowing it, Orson. It's hard to imagine Orson Welles playing like the square-jawed hero version of Correct. The Shadow. Yeah. So this story is interesting by our standards today because of the terroristic quality. <laughs> yeah. It's terrorism. That was like the, from the get-go, because I have not heard Circle of Death before, of like, all right, settle in with my cozy little old-fashioned shadow tale. City bombing, oh my God, <laughs> right? People being blown up on city streets. This isn't escapism at all. Thanks, Joshua. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I don't know why I blamed you first. <laughs> I'm here in all fairness. <laughs> Which brings up the point of how they react to terrorism, how different it is from today. Today, if there was a terroristic threat, we would clear that area that was indicated that it might happen. In this, they encourage everybody to show up in that area. <laughs> well, that's where I think the story is really interesting because we have this uh, conflict between the theater business people, which mm-hmm. is just a ridiculous term. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to have all this power that I don't believe uh, people in theater have. But there's a pressure to keep the theaters open and have the cops just catch this guy quickly. And so the shadow actually manipulates this tense situation between uh, the business owners and the cops. In the vast, really... wealthy, powerful theater people? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. This is more modeled off of the New York Broadway strip, <laughs> right, than anything in the Twin Cities where the cops would just let them you... bomb us. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met the Twin Cities theater lobby? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just one night watchman. <laughs> Here's something that I couldn't quite catch, and please forgive me and just explain it to me. Why did the shadow, why did he want him to go there at that time into the crowd? How was he able to find him in that crowd? I believe the idea was he wanted to get a bunch of people walking through a very narrow space so he could look at all these people quickly. So they're all kind of filing by him. Yes. So this is like cattle being put into the pen. Mm -hmm. It's like airport security. Is that how downtown New York is? <laughs> just one little... <laughs> well, he's in the arcade. So I just it said downtown New York, which I'm sure is just made a bunch of people. There's no downtown. <laughs> you mean Eastside Village Greenwich thingy? I don't know. I'm just saying stuff. <laughs> I don't know anything. We're hicks. We're <laughs> well, we sure love old-time radio. <laughs> But no, Times Square, I've been to Times Square four or five times. That's a wide open area. I'm assuming that's where we are. That's the theater district they're talking about, right? I don't know that the Shadow radio shows specifically say they're in New York, but it's supposed to be a big, gigantic metropolitan area. Oh, come on, it's New York. Proto Gotham. Yeah. Right. But my point is they can create their own You're fictitious right. spaces that so way, in... like a narrow arcade in which the shadow can scope <laughs> people out. <laughs> so their theater district was designed that in order to get in, you you have to get in single file. <laughs> now, I'm assuming by narrow it is not single file, but not so huge that three you can't abreast. look at everybody. Yes. Yeah, they just cut the line three abreast because it was 1938. <laughs> That's not making it in. <laughs> I want to go back from there, though, plot-wise. Yeah, okay. Kudos to Margot for getting the job of, like, you're going to go to this police thing, and you're going to get the crowd to start shouting for their shadow. And when they actually 
hear the execution of it. She's like right there, like Master of the Shadow, and everybody turns on a dime. It, like, good job, Margo. <laughs> yeah, they really followed her quickly. It reminded me of that Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I say we let him go. <laughs> but I like how psychological this is. Yes, it works out so perfectly because it's pulp and it's heightened uh, mm-hmm. reality, uh, but. The shadow is so manipulative. That's part A that I really enjoy. And part B is that he uses his invisibility very practically, like getting the suspect in a space where he can just turn invisible and check people out. I mean, like, (laughs) it's a really practical use of it. And follows him home then, sees where he lives, finds out his name from his address and what he does. Like, he should do that every single episode. (laughs) One of the cool things about him being invisible and you said part A, the psychological part of this is what I really want to talk about. There's so much going on in their final meeting. (laughs) Not the least of which is his invisibility allows Victor, whatever his name is, he's not sure. Anton. Anton. Anton You're right. It might be a voice in his head. Mm -hmm. So the invisibility is like, not only invisible, but uh, he's manipulating that facet of this crazy guy that I may or may not be in your head, Anton. That encounter, I I loved bits. Anton delights me to no end. Oh, I, I love that actor. I love that yeah. character. I love how he says, that shadow fella. <laughs> but like, I, when Shadow starts talking to him invisibly, I don't know that Shadow is thinking, well, maybe I think I'm a voice, but he just responds as like, yeah, I talk to disembodied voices all the time. Right. It's no big deal. And I wrote that down. He's so calm. And everybody who hears the shout is like, who's there? What's going on? Hey. <laughs> blam, blam, blam. <laughs> this guy's like, oh, another voice. <laughs> What's more terrifying? I'm going to kill you. And a guy screaming and running around a room and throwing things. Or a guy that gets two inches from your face and says, I'm going to kill you. You know, like, yeah. so the calmness of this guy is actually ramps up how terrifying. And then he when is. he does choose to get hysterical as an actor, it really is when he can't hypnotize him. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I've been tricked. <laughs> oh. or, or when he won't take the, the newspaper on top. He goes, no, no, crowds have looked at that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a that's a great piece of writing, by the way, to you know establish, how crazy this guy right, is. That establishes character really well. Yeah. Like where he's coming from. I want to look at the one that hasn't been looked at. Oh, going back to blowing people up. I just I just saw my note. I want to make sure it's out there that smithereens, it's just a really good word. We need to bring smithereens back. I had a fine band. Oh, that's right. It was a band. <laughs> Did I ruin it? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Someone else thought it was a good word. Never mind. What was their hit? Oh, I can't think of it. I hate crowds. <laughs> it also occurred to me that anthracite would be a really good wrestler name. <laughs> The psychological gameplay. Girl like you. Is that it? Girl like you? Sorry. The psycho- we, we lost him. Psychological <laughs> gameplay between the Shadow and Anton. That scene is just fascinating to me because Shadow found him. There he is. There's a number of ways he could just be done with this. Throw handcuffs on him, <laughs> bring him to the cops, tell the cops he's in there. But it's the delight he's taking and messing with him. To the point of, you know, would be a really cool way for you to get arrested. <laughs> you walking at the cops, staring at him, thinking you're hypnotizing, holding dynamite, right? Holding dynamite. <laughs> the point is this: this is what I wrote down. This whole scene makes you ask this question. Seriously, who's crazier? <laughs> That's crazy, man. What are you doing? You're just spending the afternoon messing with this guy. Well, there. I think there's a reading of the scenario in which. 
Anton is holding dynamite and the shadow is nervous to try anything physical. So he's actually convincing him to walk toward the police. He literally cons- Blow them up. Yeah. <laughs> well, not to take too much away from your point, because I do think the shadow is pretty pleased with himself most of the time in the Orson Welles and, and yes. thinks, thinks he's right. Because it's Orson Welles. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, in a lot of these stories, he's the most vulnerable version of the shadow, as in he's wrong more than the other shadows and gets hurt a lot. Um, as I mentioned in other podcasts, chased up a tree by dogs right. <laughs> to stay until Margot comes back. So uh, you don't always trust that he's going to be right, like Margot points out in this one when he's telling her his plan he's mm-hmm. like well what if you die <laughs> and shadow's like i won't die and he's more convinced that the police will bungle it he uses the word bungle another word that should come back right <laughs> you know bungle it to smithereens <laughs> <laughs> now it doesn't get weird yeah. <laughs> um, but he has no faith in the cops well and i think that is based on the idea that he has been misinterpreted by the police and in mm-hmm. the press. And so I, I think that it's established in these Orson Welles versions that he carries a grudge against them for how he's perceived by them. Or do the police carry a grudge against him because he's so yes. successful? So That's how this, grudges this, work. Yeah. Both sides are <laughs> well, pretty I mean, much mad. Part of his point of, I'm going to walk you to the police, is to make sure that the police get the credit for it. Mm-hmm. He's doing them a solid. Uh, It's this indulgence, though, he buys. Like, I'm going to torment you. I'm going to humiliate you in public, Commissioner Weston. I'm going to call you on the phone and annoy you. Uh, But I'm going to give you all the credit so you can't really get mad. (laughs) And that's exactly my point I brought up earlier. This whole episode is like a battle of different kinds of crazy. Yeah, I mean, that makes the shadow character somewhat the word jerk. (laughs) Yeah. But there's also a crazy to him. Like, there's it's, something a little off about it. It's a dangerous idea to spur the bomber into showing up in a crowd yeah. to walk through this narrow arcade, three abreast. <laughs> 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 and the cops there pretty much point that out, that this has the potential to be a disaster. And they're not wrong. Which is also what made me laugh about today's standards. Well, we're going to let it happen anyway. Look at all these people here that just want to get see someone get blown up. <laughs> well, I don't know modern sort of folks in the big city, if they hear, there could be a bomber there. Let's be somewhere else. <laughs> Was it the Battle of Gettysburg that all the rich oh, right. people watched? They'd go up on a hill and go sketch. Go up on a hill yeah. and sketch and watch the fighting. Yeah. But by today's standard, they would clear the area. <laughs> They wouldn't let everybody come and watch. Well, yeah, and they also describe the crowd turning on somebody. Um, there's a guy who's carrying a Christmas box, they mm-hmm. said, with a doll in it, and the crowd decides that he's a bomber, and the cops say they had to drag the crowd off this guy. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an ugly depiction of humanity in general <laughs> in these early <laughs> shadows. Right. And I think ultimately the most sympathetic characters are these cops who we get in these two <laughs> scenes who are just stuck on dangerous cop duty, waiting for bombs to go off, talking to each other. Officer exposition. (laughs) (laughs) There's another great line by Anton in this. I promised I'd kill a lot of people tonight. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's just really about. He's like a murderous child. He has these Mm -hmm. temper tantrums. But but he promised. Yeah, he's he's a crazy man of the We're going to judge him harshly if he doesn't keep his promise. (laughs) Because, again, he's like a child when the cops can see him. When he literally says, you can't see me. You can't see me. But wouldn't that be great if that's how invisibility worked? Just walking around with dynamite staring at people and you turned <laughs> invisible. Well, I think that 
all fiction has proven to us that invi- s- being invisible. How makes- do you know it doesn't work that way? <laughs> I've tried it. <laughs> all fiction has taught us that uh, being invisible makes you crazy. Yeah, yeah. From the Invisible Man to what is that? The Hobbit? Is that that movie? Sue Storm. Sue Storm. She's a nutbag, <laughs> complete nutbag. Uh, there's some kind of cloak in that Harry Potter thingy. Yep. Oh, they do okay. It doesn't make him crazy. <laughs> he doesn't use it much. Uh, I love when uh, which Anton... is nonsense, by the way. You give me an invisibility cloak, <laughs> never see you again. No, never see me. You'd never see me again. When... You'd have to catch me opening it up to open the fridge. <laughs> Uh, bring food back inside my cloak or... <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say? I'm Just, sure it's when, important. It's not. Uh, but <laughs> my favorite Anton bit is when he calls the shadow like a dog. Come here, shadow. <laughs> here, shadow. Nice, mm. shadow. Just a lunatic. And it's weird. He plays... Very similar lunatics in multiple episodes of Orson Welles' Shadow. Um, every time he pops up, I'm like, yes, it's that guy. <laughs> He's really good. And you mm-hmm. gave us his name in the opening, uh, Alan DeVitt. Yeah. I don't know anything about DeVitt, this guy. Maybe I pronounced it wrong. But I, I why don't... is he not more famous? I went on Facebook and asked some other old-time radio fans what his name was because I couldn't find anything about him. There's one blurry photo wow. um, online. And uh, I think he was in one or two of uh, Orson Welles' Mercury Theater in the Air. I heard him in The Man Who Was Thursday in a really small part Um He's probably done more, but it's just probably the kind of radio work where he does it in all genres. And but just there's nothing not on the internet about to. him. Probably a bunch of stage work, stupid stage work. Oh, theaters! Yeah. I hate crowds. <laughs> <laughs> then go to a theater. It really is terrifying the way he plays it. You know, uh, I'm not gonna think of the guy's name, but the guy from Lost who played Ben Linus. He's in uh, the guy carrying the blanket around. Yes, that guy. Person of interest. <laughs> I, I'm ashamed that I can't think of the actor's name because he's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the same thing uh, I once heard him talking about acting, about strong choices always to choose the exact opposite impulse you would think you need for a line creates all these fascinating sort of deliveries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he's really threatening when he's calm, and he's, uh, if he wants to present himself as more likable, he'll freak out. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He's more pitiable when he's angry. Yeah. And poor Margot gets the short end of the stick. I mean, always, but the the much, much, much shorter end of the stick during the um, Orson Welles era of the show. She she really is just there to tell him not to do whatever he's planning to do, and he <laughs> yes. does it anyway. <laughs> yes. And at the end, she's just relieved he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> just the long con for that one day. I told you. <laughs> now you're dead. <laughs> I like that, though. I like the reality of the tension of being friends or whatever she is with the shadow. I, I don't think... Did they make in, any indication that they're together in these early ones with Orson Well, the Wells? very first episode, she says, I love him. And yeah, that's And they right. call that's each right. other, you know, darling. And maybe that's was uh, things you said to anyone in 1937. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it interesting, though, that she lives her life in that much fear and that level of anxiety that... She loves a man that does this. and Who is a lunatic. Who's a loon himself. Yeah, <laughs> man, right? Well, Any other thoughts? I will say that uh, judging it on its own against other old-time radio, it definitely stands the test of time, especially with the connotations of the world we live in today. Is it a classic? That's hard to say, but uh, I, I won't give it classic. I'll say really, really, really fun, really good. 
Yeah, I, I would not call this a, a classic. This is not something you have to hear if you want to call yourself a radio fan or even just a modern citizen of the world. Um, <laughs> but it's really good, uh, in particular the performances and and the writing of the, everything involved in that last scene between Anton and the Shadow is really compelling and neat. Uh, mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. Yeah, this definitely I think stands the test of time. There are clunky bits of exposition that is par for the course in the late 30s. I think exposition in dialogue form was just far more accepted uh, in this stage of radio. Mm-hmm. I would be more critical of it by the 40s or mid 40s or so. But outside of that little clunkiness with the police officers, I think it's a fantastic and complex script with how much manipulation and lying and trickery is going on by the good guys and the bad guys Uh, it's really fascinating and great performances from Orson Welles from Mm -hmm. Alan DeVete definitely but the shadow is hard to call a classic because it is so what it is I can totally see people just not digging the shadow and if you're one of those people and you're listening Sorry, <laughs> but we'll probably so come back to the shadow a lot. Um, <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> it's very close to an Orson Welles classic in, in my book. All right, Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That is the home of this podcast. You can find other episodes there, other episodes of The Shadow if you like. Uh, you'll also find links to our social media pages, Instagram, Facebook. Check out what we're doing there. And you can also leave us a message if you have episodes you would like us to listen to. You can just let us know right there. You can leave comments on other episodes. You can do all sorts of stuff. It's fun. Yeah, you can also have fun giving us money. You can go to patreon.com slash the morals. It is a lot of fun. You don't know until you've tried. Uh, <laughs> so just do it. Just do it. If we're wrong, we're wrong. Yeah, we'll... It's like walking towards the police with dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> just believe us. <laughs> It'll work out fine. Um, you can also go to iTunes and write a review. Please write a review. We, we do love them. Just I want to be really clear about something uh, just because we had someone say what's this mystery secrets of the mysterious old radio oh yeah and i want to just say when you become a patreon and you give us five bucks a month you that get is- we have these secret podcasts that are only for members that is so bonus content of, bonus content is one of the many uh perks as joshua calls it fun stuff <laughs> <laughs> but if you're wondering about what the secrets of the Mysterious Old Radio is, that's the secret podcast. So uh, we do one a month, and they are a little off the beaten path of things oh, we might yeah. not normally do in the regular podcast. Right. We just make chicken noises for 30 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> that's worth five bucks a month. Come on. We want to be very clear that he's joking. <laughs> What is next? Next is Eric's pick. He hasn't picked one in a while. I haven't, but I found an episode of Lights Out called The Dream. Until then... Look out! Accompanied by his manager, he hails from... Pennsylvania. He weighs 520 pounds. Anthracite.